two, one. Okay. Welcome back to RUF at UNF Podcast. I'm excited that you've joined us for another episode of of RUF at UNF Podcast. <laughs> Let's maybe try that again. <laughs> <laughs> Take two. All right. That's okay. To the RUF at UNF podcast. We're excited that you've joined us again for another episode. I'm Tommy Park, and I'm joined here with my friend Aldo Mondin. I'm here. You're here. You're in the flesh. Made it. We're we're still not off the air, despite the letters and um, emails that we've gotten demanding the the, the social de- media demanding cry. that we. Yeah. Um, but this is what the people want. This is what I mean. At least it's what some people well, want. Three. I, mean, I know my daughter is enjoying it. But that's one person. Yeah, I'm so, enjoying it. And yeah. then, are you enjoying it? I'm enjoying it. Okay, yeah. there you go. Three. I'm enjoying conversing with you and then re-listening to what we already said. So, <laughs> so it's been great. Nothing quite listen, like listening to what you've already said uh, later on. So, so uh, you know what people want, Aldo. Uh, We've been doing this every week. So, do they want a, they want a dad joke? They, that's the rumor. So. Okay. And you got I I you know speaking of rumors, I heard a rumor that you had two dad jokes well, lined up. It's one's just a dad joke and one's a real dad joke. So you'll get it. So the first one thing I want you to I want to ask you this, Aldo, is this: Do you want to want you know, want to hear a joke about construction? Uh sure. I'm still working on it. Oh, but you. Yeah. But here's the real dad joke. Okay, here's the real one. What do you call a toothless bear? Uh, a gummy bear. Uh, <laughs> oh, there it is. There could, it is. You could call that a granddad joke, if you know what I mean. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I think that I think no one else is listening. I think we could just... All the listeners are gone. Please come back. Please don't don't give up on us. It gets better. Yeah. <laughs> the gummy bear. A granddad joke. Oh. All right. So, well, we'll put this back into order since we're Presbyterian. So, this summer, me and Aldo, we've been walking through the uh, Apostles' Creed. Yeah. Uh, covering kind of the basics, the essence of Christianity. Uh, this is what they we have as Christians have believed since pretty much the beginning. And so, it kind of just lays down a smooth foundation for Christians to discuss and to know what they believe. And so, just so that you would know what we're actually talking about i'm going to have my friend aldo recite uh, the apostles creed for us all right i believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth and in jesus christ his only son our lord who was conceived by the holy spirit born of the virgin mary suffered under pontius pilate was crucified died and was buried he descended into hell on the third day he rose again he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. 
So we're working right through this creed. And last week we looked at kind of the middle section of Jesus Christ and simply uh, what he did. Uh, we looked at this whole idea of him suffering under Pontius Pilate, him being crucified, him dying, him being buried, and also the kind of interesting conversation about him descending into hell. And so this week we're going to look at continue what he has done for us. And kind of the two biggies uh, for a lot of people is that uh, him rising again on the third day and him ascending into heaven. Uh, so Aldo, what this whole idea of resurrection, uh, we celebrate Easter and, and people, because of Easter, a lot of people know what resurrection is. But what's this maybe original concept of the resurrection? Where, where has it come from? You know, maybe some of those type of thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um actually an interesting topic because um you know a brief kind of perusal of the old testament some people have said oh you know there isn't really a concept of resurrection that's only a new testament idea and it's more recently some good scholarship has been done and some more recent work has been done on actually seeing resurrection in the old testament um and maybe it's it's framed in ways that are a little bit different than we kind of expect but it's definitely there some good you know some just two really good texts for this are um, Psalm uh, 49 um, and Ezekiel 37 are kind of the two like really, really big texts um, for that. But w the big idea from the Old Testament is really that um, resurrection isn't just about um, new life in the same world or um, coming back to life into the same reality. But this idea of resurrection gets tied up with the idea that God is putting things right, that God is going to bring his people back from the exile. So in one sense, the exile from the Garden of Eden, in the other sense, the exile from um, the Promised Land, and that the resurrection is not only about the individual, but it is this idea of resurrecting um, you know, God's firstborn son in the sense of Israel um, as he refers to them in Exodus um, bringing them back to life and so there's not only this individual bringing people back from the dead but also this idea of bringing creation and reality back into what it's meant to be and so that's kind of the Old Testament trajectory coming forward is not only just you know rising again into your same old life but rising again into this whole new reality that God is bringing about yeah, and I think that's what makes the Bible so wonderful is that these concepts that we think are just New Testament things are actually been there from the very beginning. Uh, and the Bible's kind of making it fuller and bigger as you turn the page, as you kind of read through the story. Uh, it's a kind of complex. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like, it's almost like, you know, we have this idea of, in Christianity of like that revelation is progressive. And what we mean by that is that, you know, things get the further along into God's writing of the story and the scriptures, like you get a bigger and fuller picture, but in some ways it's also, it's beautiful because you get to experience this unfolding. And if you read, you know, scripture as one story from beginning to end, you get to see God almost, I mean, I think of it as God one upping himself. Like, Oh, you thought that was cool. Yeah. You thought like, this resurrection that I was going to do to bring Israel back is cool. Like just wait. And you get more and more and more building on itself where it's not replacing the old, but it's building on the old and continuing to get more and more marvelous, more and more wonderful, more and more grand, more and more glorious over and over and over again. And I think, you know, that's in one sense why we're doing this is, you know, we want to talk about 
this story of scripture and see it unfolding and also like marvel in it and how good it is. Yeah. What, I mean, a lot of things came to mind when you were talking, but one thing that did come to mind, Romans eight, when you were talking about creation, you know, that even creation is longing for this resurrection Yeah. Uh, where it talks about for uh, Romans eight nineteen for creation waits with an eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, it's interesting, like, yeah, and that goes even to that theme of, like, the resurrection isn't just you and I coming back to life and it's, like, re-inhabiting the same world. But this creation is longing for it because it's longing to be remade. It's longing for things to be set right. And you can see that in the difference between, because there are resurrection stories throughout the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, particularly in the Gospels, where you have Lazarus, for example. Mm -hmm rose again from the dead right and you know before jesus however jesus is the firstborn and the difference there is lazarus at some point is going back in the grave where jesus is not and so he's the true firstborn he's the the first fruit of this of you know this new creation um and you can see that you particularly see that in the account in john 20 of the creation account of kind of mary assuming uh, that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, was the gardener. And you mm-hmm. kind of, you know, in some ways, the story of the Bible is a story through these different gardens. Uh, right. And, and kind of this ultimate picture of, of resurrection. And you see this ultimate garden uh, in, the, in, in the end of Revelation. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, that's, and that's great. I mean, it's like this idea of, like, um, the new creation and the new birth. And you brought up Jesus in that, which is, you know, obviously the creed is talking about Jesus. So we talked a little bit about the Old Testament background. And so when we talk about the resurrection, there's a lot of different directions we could go. And I think before we even get into, like, what it means for us, Jesus' resurrection means for us today, I think it's just helpful and maybe give us a sketch of 30,000-foot view of, like, what's... What's the historical evidence for the resurrection? Why do some, you know, because it's, you know, if I walked up to you the other day and I was like, you know, hey, guess what? I saw this guy. He was dead. And then like four days later, I just saw him walking around. It's amazing. You'd be like, ah, I don't know if that's right. So, you know, maybe people who might be like, ah, this is a big claim because it is like, what do we, what do we kind of know about that? And how can we, how can we kind of just approach it maybe as thinking people, but also people of faith? Yeah. I mean, the first thing I would say is just to go back to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 and him reminding us, remind the Corinthians and in turn reminding us that the 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 core of what we believe is this part of the Apostles' Creed, which I think this is why it's the biggest part of, you know, to be honest. Um, but there he just says, if we don't, basically, if we don't have the resurrection, we don't have anything. And so... Mm-hmm this whole idea of Jesus rising again from the dead is key. Um, and people have tried to kind of explain it out. Uh, you know, there's a, you know, they, uh, either, you know, they've, he wasn't really dead, you know, type of theory. Uh, they, somebody stole the body type of theory. Um, they mislaid the body. And so mm-hmm. that, you know, so throughout the years, people have tried to explain out the resurrection, because if they can explain it out, then all this goes down, just as Paul says. Um, but I think, biblically and historically, there, there are proofs or evidences of 
of the resurrection. Uh, one is just the re- how early the actual recording of the resurrection is. You know, I think even in First Corinthians 15, if I remember that passage rightly, is this: He rose again. He appeared to these people. He appeared to the his disciples, and then he appeared to 500. Right. Um, and then how early? You know, you know, maybe that that passage in First Corinthians is maybe 20 or 30 years later. Um, you know, and so you're assuming that, well, you know, some of those people are still around, right? The apostles, and then, and then, assuming some of those 500 are still around, so you have, you got very early texts talking about the resurrection and talking about particular people who are named, so that you can go and address those things. Right. I mean, it's also interesting. I think from even that Pauline passage in First Corinthians is, he says, I. I receive what I now pass on to you that Christ was raised from the dead. Christ, you know, he suffered, he died and he was raised. And like, so that's not even like Paul. This is not a, Paul is saying, this is not like a new idea that started with me. Like, Hey, here's this, here's this new funky idea I'm having. Like, what if Jesus is actually alive? And so we, as you said, it's probably 20 to 30 years after the resurrection that Paul is writing this, this letter. Um, you know, but Paul is saying like, that's what I was told. Like, that's what I was handed down. That's yeah. the faith that I received. So even, so, I mean, judging from that, Paul is, you know, a first, second generation Christian. I mean, he's right there in the very beginning. Yeah. And even, so Paul is saying from the very beginning, the first thing that I was taught, the first thing that was handed down to me, the first thing that I received was that Christ was raised from the dead. And so no matter what you want to say, anything historically you want to say about the resurrection, the one thing you definitely have to say is the earliest Christians in the very beginning believe Jesus was raised bodily from the dead. Yeah. Like no matter what else you want to say, any other theory you got to have has got to account for the fact that pretty much universally all the Christians agreed on one thing, which, you know, Christians do not always agree on things. Tommy, I don't know if you know this. Christians don't always agree on everything. What? I know. They don't always agree, but like all the Christians early on, all the letters we have affirm this idea that like Jesus was raised from the dead. Uh, and you, I think, that, and here's my second point of kind of proof of the resurrection is the, is that, is that rapid spread of Christianity. You know, this, I mean, if you were going to, you know, destroy a movement, um, you know, but this point, of the resurrection actually sped up the movement of Christianity. It helped grew it. You see it in the book of Acts. You also mm-hmm. see it, uh, Eusebius is that the early church father yeah. guy that, that has a really cool church history book uh, you just see that you know just the spread of Christianity moving and and it's kind of interesting particularly if you read Acts the whole idea of resurrection is not something that people are asking to try to like disprove it mm. uh, every question throughout that little letter or narrative that you know that Luke wrote was almost like since the resurrection has happened right. you know how do these things play out um, and you, and you see that, and so, just how I mean, it went from twelve to two thousands to thousand. I mean, you just see it, in particular acts, and then er, very early, historic, you know, yeah, critical, critical, not critical, credible historians saying, this has happened, and right. you see the growth of Christianity moving, like, you know, so right. No, that's a great point. I mean, you'd have to, you have to at least account for the uh, this 
spread of this Christian idea. You have to account for the spread of Christianity historically. Like, if you if you don't, you want to say, hey, the resurrection didn't happen. You know, okay. Well, what what did happen? Like, you have to give some other meaningful account. And I heard, I think it's, um, I think it was Tim Keller, but I'm not 100% sure who said it. But he, he the person was saying is basically, hey, I understand, like, it is very difficult to believe that like, Hey, this guy, he was dead, like really dead. And then like three days later, he wasn't anymore. Like that's difficult. Like you're a modern person, like that doesn't comport with your experiences. I understand. But then they said like, it's also pretty difficult to believe that like ancient Jewish writers with no known, um, precursors or, um, um, what's a, What's something that follows a sequels? No, no precursor or sequel. Um, like back to the future too. Yeah. They, that just came up with this idea and that idea became the most influential idea in basically the history of Western thought. Yeah. Like that these guys, these unknown backwater Jewish folks were like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to say that he died. And then he was like raised physically bodily. And then like, but they just came up with it out of nowhere. Like that's a really difficult thing yeah. to, to believe. Can, also. I mean, we can go on and on and on. And we probably should because this is a very essential point. I mean, I would point to one uh, resource. Uh, Tim Keller's book, The Reason for God, has a great little chapter there on the reality of the resurrections. And the other thing I would just point out is how rich the gospel narratives are on each of those resurrections. For example, the Gospel of John, which I already kind of mentioned. I mean, if you were going to start a movement that was founded on this reality of somebody in history mm-hmm. rising again from the dead probably wouldn't use women as your first set of witnesses and that's what mm-hmm. we see uh, particularly in gospel of luke i mean gospel of john um but you you kind of see like you know everything that you would not use to build a, a story or a movement or whatever christianity did all those things and you saw that thing move like crazy um you know, in the early church. And I think maybe just boil this down into like, Hey, if you're exploring this question of the resurrection, you're really hung up on it. Like there would be a couple of questions that I would just say, Hey, consider this. And it's like, number one is kind of going off the point you just laid out, which is go back and read, go read Homer, go read the great myths, go read those. And then go read the gospels. And you will realize that like, whatever you think the gospels are, they are not myths. They don't are not lit, written in that genre. And so you have to deal with the fact of what they're trying to say is they, you know, especially you get this in Luke, but all the gospels in some sense are trying to report history in, and they're, they're, in, and they're talking about that history as if it has meaning. They're not, you know, as one of my professors said, guess what? The gospels biased, like they're Christians. Yeah. <laughs> they believe in Jesus. Like, but you have to account for what they're saying just because yeah. they have these biases. That would be one. The second thing I would say is what we kind of talked about is like, you have to account for the spread of Christianity. Yeah. You have to account for that. And number three is you have to account for the fact that basically even before the gospels are written, we have the evidence in Paul. We have the evidence from all the early church fathers from basically everything we have from that early church period is that the Christians believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. You have to account for those three things. Um, and I think, you know, we are obviously um, biased as well. I think the easiest way to account for that is that it really happened. Um, but I think those are questions that should at least challenge us to think 
critically about this in a sense that's, you know, hey, it's not so simple as to say, well, like, it was just made up if you don't believe. Uh, oh, it's just easy. You know, oh, that was made up. Well, there are some deeper questions that you have to ask um, in that in that way. So um, I think we probably maybe covered the, the defense of the resurrection, at least in our, our 30,000-foot view. Yeah, and we want... I mean, we're working with particular students, so we want to just... this. One reason we're doing this podcast is for students to start that conversation. Yeah. Uh, if it's with us or with their local pastor or local friend or or another believer. Or their Zoom friend at this or point. Zoom, yeah, their Zoom friend in the current state. Um, you know, is that we want them to consider these things. If they're a Christian, figuring out how they can believe in the resurrection more deeply and more. And if they're not a Christian, you know, just consider it. Like, why, why not? You know? Yeah, no, and I mean that, and that moves us really perfectly to the next idea, which is, you know, we've kind of talked about considering the resurrection and the historical evidence, but now you talked about, you know, as Christians, how do we appreciate the resurrection and what is what does the resurrection do? Like, okay, yeah. so like, you know, it's like, is this? I guess the idea would be like, is this a cool magic trick that God pulls? Like, whoa, he's like really powerful. Or is there something more going on in resurrection than just like, oh, wow, that was cool. Yeah, I think, and we could probably go back and forth on this a little bit. I mean, the first thing I would think of is that it does affirm a physical world. Um, Mm. In particular, this is, I think, important. Particular, you know, there was this Gnostic thing going on in the early church. Basically... That's a fancy church word to say that uh, there was a group of people that said that the physical didn't matter or it was bad mm-hmm. or um, this world's bad. You know, that's why they would believe that Jesus probably didn't have a hundred, you know, took on the hundred percent of fleshness of manness. Um, but what we see the resurrection and what, what God's declaring through the resurrection is that this physical world does matter. Yeah. Um, and we kind of, you know, refer back to that Romans eight passage that I mentioned earlier that the even creation is longing for that, that renewal, that redemption of kind of that all things will be made right. Yeah, I mean and this it goes against the dominant philosophy of the time, which was Platonism, which was the I mean, very shortly Plato's kind of view of the material world was that, you know, the physical world was but a shadow of the reality and that like the best thing you could do is the soul would escape that and kind of ascend up the chain of being to um the world of the forms and all of that um and all of that <laughs> you know oh that old chestnut um but you know that's i say that just to say that's going against there is a polemical thing that's being said when we say jesus was raised bodily from the dead is it's affirming this the creation is good and that when and when god is going to remake the world when he's raising people from the dead he's they're not disembodied spirits who are going to float around they're real human beings like they're going to have real flesh and blood they're going to hug they're going to dance they're going to yeah, like Revel- sing yeah revelation 21 is a great and then old testament again uh isaiah 65 mm-hmm. is a great little uh, narrative there for uh, to you know talking about the new heavens new earth and that we'll be making gardens and living in houses and and so it's going to be a, a a rich I mean clearly a rich beautiful I mean we're longing for that yeah so. and I think I've even heard people say you know like sometimes their critique of Christianity is its otherworldliness that it's it's not concerned with the matters of the world and I think the resurrection 
the physical resurrection of Jesus with a physical body affirms the importance of the world is like, God is not abandoning his creation. He's not going to just transport you and I to clouds and we're going to float around forever, but it is an affirmation of the importance and the beauty of the world. And God isn't, God's is not content to leave it how it is. He wants to work in it. You simultaneously have these two things at play where on the one hand you have the affirmation of the physical world and the importance of the physical world, but also you have a reminder that like this world is not all that there is or that this life that we have is not all that there is. So in, in one sense, it's to take the world very seriously and to take our lives very seriously as to what, as it matters. And then on the other hand, not have to take ourselves too seriously. We don't, we can have on the one hand, we engage in the world and we live in the world and we work in the world to bring to you know, as that prayer says that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. But then also we can have hope that the world is going to be made new that like, you know, if we don't accomplish, if we don't, if we don't accomplish that while we're here, if that doesn't happen, we don't have to, you know, kind of die in sort of, uh, despair of like, well, I guess everything was a failure. <laughs> you know, there is this hope of coming life. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and Easter is basically, is that first fruit of that, ultimate picture you know mm -hmm. jesus is just the beginning of this thing he's not the end and yeah. and often we that's what we think we think of christianity as this sense of that jesus is kind of the end of the story but he's actually i mean he's all the story but he's you know that but particularly here we're not at the end we're actually a, a new beginning as it were a new mm -hmm. creation and and that everything that's happening here and now does matter and does count and jesus is longing for things to be made right and, and the resurrection again is just like a little reminder that we are going somewhere uh, to a, a bigger and better resurrection and so yeah no, i think you know this was a this is a quote um and then uh yeah this is just a little quote that i thought sums all kind of what we're talking about here all up, which is, it says resurrection was from the beginning a revolutionary doctrine and implied a reordering of power, a radical overhaul of existing hierarchies of authority. It had to do with the coming of a new age when a life giving God would act once more to turn everything upside down. And I think that's a good kind of point of just like, Hey, there's God is the life giving God is going to act in this world and he's going to bring us all to new life. Um, and that's the beauty of the resurrection. Yeah. So, no, it's, and clearly it's a rich thing to think about because it took us a while to. Oh, yeah. And we didn't even get to Ascension again. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Now we've, uh, we've bumped the Ascension again. <laughs> um, but that's all right. We'll, but, we'll plug it next but, week. Thank you for t tuning in, for listening. Yeah. Uh, find us on the socials. Find us on the. Yeah. Uh, tell, your, tell your friends. Yeah. Tommy, do you have a TikTok? No, I do not. No, TikTok. Yeah, do you have a do a Snapchat? I don't have that either. Okay. Uh, we have an Instagram. We have an Instagram. We okay. have a Twitter that we haven't used in a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. And we have direct a... message us on Twitter to see how long it takes <laughs> us to respond. Yeah. The, the resurrection might happen yeah. first. Yeah. So uh, Facebook. Yeah. Get connected on there. You can see all the RUF at UNF events. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks for watching or not watching, <laughs> listening. Um, if you were watching, that was weird. Uh, thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. When I die in the name of